There's a uh, there's this guy. He, I forget what it's called. But we walk in and I'm kind of wandering around and they say, well, let's get you fitted. This little dude walks up and starts measuring us out and sweeps us back. And as we're going back, Donna picks up this shirt. She goes, oh, look at this. And I'm like, wow, I don't know, girl. The guy goes, the salesman goes, I like how you think, girl. And I thought, oh, I'm in trouble. <laughs> so, so now him and Donna are out there just grabbing stuff. So I ended up with all manner of stuff. But anyway, I wore this wild thing here, right? I just thought, let's wake ourselves up this morning, huh? So I apologize if I look like a salesman or something. I don't mean to do that. Oh, you know. Oh, good. <laughs> Pastor Brent walks up this morning. He says, I like your shirt, but you might want to take off that medium-sized sticker right there. Claim to be cool. Here's the wealth matter that we promised last night and last time. Just take one and pass it back. There we go. Managed to do that without feedback. Oh, fun. I've got a couple comments, little advertisement things to let you know about. The class that Brent is talking about coming up in about three months, we're thinking in January, is my Prosperous Home class. This is a class that I'm teaching uh, specifically on how to handle money at home. And uh, many of you probably came to this course about to, to, to learn about money. And uh, it is happening, although you may not feel it or sense it. What's going on is I, I believe that you can change, you can teach tools and skills and uh, that the church has been teaching skills and tools to ourselves for generations. But you won't change behavior until you change the heart, the stuff that's going on underneath the ground. So this is Prosperous Soul Foundations, the main manual that we're working through, is a foundational layer that you build from. And from that, we do talk directly about money. But we have to deal with the elements of the heart. So this is a financial sozo, what we're working our way through. Okay, So that's why I talk a little bit about money in this class. And I can talk a lot more about it and talk about it all the time. But always in this class as a context of a handle two issues of our heart. Money becomes like a handle. It touches and manages and it reaches the stuff that's going on down inside. So that's why we spent... Last time I was here in June, we talked a lot about the orphan spirit and the spirit of poverty and the spirit of mammon. And we wrestled through a lot of that. Had some great, we had a real powerful financial sozo moment, much like, like last night. And um, I'm excited to have those things behind us now because we can start to build. You see, Prosperous Soul, the main course we're going through, the first, it normally is laid out in two, basically two parts. The first part is defensive. It, it enables us to build up the capacity to understand what's going on about ourselves, what are the lies we're believing. Let's displace those lies with truth. Right? We, we pull out truth like uh, lies like we did last night. We put truth in its place. The truth being the Bible. 
Okay, so we remove lies that we've learned, put in truth. And when, as you do that, those, those, those truths like seeds will start flourishing inside of our hearts because that's God's word, right? It, he promised that a seed would produce after its own kind. So we're in that process. And as we go from event to event in our lives, we find ourselves repeating that system. But that is, that is our assignment. We're to make ourselves ready, right? The bride makes herself ready. So we're in this, in this work, and that will continue for that, that displa- displacement, that identification of our, of our issues, that, um, that what is the truth, what's Papa really saying, putting that in its place. That will continue on from Ikeley for the rest of our lives because we keep running into new tests, new, new things. We come to different places, and this God, who's a rewarder, tends to keep promoting us. And as we promote, we get new tests. And, uh, you know, we, we've got to understand that when, when we come upon things that really, really scare us, challenge us, understand that this, this is promotion. This is how it looks. This is what it feels like as you move from glory to glory in a kingdom that knows no end. That's what it feels like. But that's all the defensive side of Prosper's soul. The offensive side is what we're going to tap into. We tapped a little bit last time I was here in June. We're going to do most of today, all of today, on that. We're going to talk about dreaming and why and the four rules of success. We're going to talk about dominion and what it's like to uh, be able to do what Christ said, command the ocean to be still. We're going to see what that's like and how that would feel in your life financially. And in any area of your life, whether where authority and power is resident, because where power is resident, you have an authority. You have the potential to exaggerate your heart. That's why we've got to do the first work, make sure that there's no lies down in there, because it will exaggerate what's in there. Did we talk last time? Uh, well, so many of us in here aren't here from June, so I should probably say that, that our lives are like blenders without lids. Those of you who came that were here last time heard me preach about that. Well, that's really true. You see that we, we are designed to live life like a blender. And all of our stuff is inside. And as power moves higher and higher, more and more things splatter out. And if you've got junk inside, that when that splatters out, our reflex is to turn down the power... Or put a lid on it, cap it, so that, that that stuff doesn't pop out. The lies, the behavior, the stuff we talked about last night, the fruit on our branches that we don't want others to see, that's what I'm talking about. When it pops out, remember me shouting at my home group? Whoopsie. Blender <laughs> was on high, and uh, I forgot my lid, and wow. And so, um, and so the, the, the mythology or the mistake... And our thinking is that, wow, we can't let that stuff get out, so we cap it, and we turn down the power. It's a, it's, I say it's a mythology, because that's not God. See, God designed us as blenders without lids. He wants power to exaggerate our heart. He designed that, you understand. We're not going to change that. What we can change is the stuff inside. And this is this displacement effort that we're going through. This tool that I've shown you last night, this was a financial sozo. 
the exercise of coming before Father God and asking Him, I see my trigger, I see my fruit, I see my splatter on the wall from my blender. What's the lie I'm believing? And listen, and you hear, and He'll tell you. And if you don't, if you're not very good at that, guess what? Practice. Did you know that the Bible says we get to practice having our senses trained? It's in Hebrews 5, if you want to write it down, verse 14. It says that solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Because of practice. You know when you practice, remember you were riding your bike that first time? We weren't very good. We, were, we had to practice. Probably your mom or dad ran along behind you like me. My dad ran along behind me and kept that bike up. And I was practicing and I wasn't very good. Then I realized he wasn't holding on any, anymore and I got really scared. And I crashed, right? But you, you practice. Pretty soon you're riding just fine. So we get to practice this stuff. No, don't, don't fall into that deception that we, we've got to do this all right the first time. No, we're growing. We're growing. And we're, we're, and we're always moving through new challenges. From glory to glory implies, wow, glory means weight. So as you move from weight or weightiness to a greater weightiness, you have to train for that. So this is our life, man. This is a fun thing as Christians. We get to experiment. We get to grow. We get to get stronger. You know, a weightlifter doesn't sit on the bench and just sit there and just, you know, bench press 300 pounds. they got to go in and they got to work. You know, just the bar for a while. And then they, then they add some, some discs to that and they start building up, building up. And they pyramid and they do all this stuff to build up. And eventually they can lift that big 300 pound weight. And the same is for us. Glory means weightiness. And this is a kingdom that knows no decrease. And it moves from glory to glory to glory. Amazing, huh? Yeah, yeah so... so as we, uh, in this prosperous soul, we work on the, uh, the um, offensive side, meaning we begin to step out. We begin to uh, make declaration. We begin to make prophetic, prophetic declarations. We begin to pray and learn how to pray. And I believe there's two different kinds of prayer. I believe we have to learn which motivation, motivational seat we live on. And I'll try to cover all this stuff today. But this is, these are some of the tools of maturity as a prosperous soul. Got to come out of your cave. Like I said last night, you got to take some risks. Woo. Well, risks mean sometimes you get knocked down. But a righteousness arises seven times. You know, I really, I used to think that that verse was about sin. I used to think that, you know, when a, when a righteous man sins and falls or stumbles over their sin, they rise seven times. Like an image of, wow, that person... You know, he has grace on his life and forgiveness so he can get up and recover and move on. And of course, it, it means that. But I think Solomon was talking about the lessons of a mature life growing. And as we grow and practice, sometimes we fall over on our bicycles. We crash. Sometimes we don't do very good. Sometimes some, some of the blender's power jumps a whole step from... Gurgle to puree or whatever, you know. And when it goes, it gets higher and our stuff splatters out. Uh, that feels like a big failure. But I believe it's a righteous man rises seven times. It's, oh, we're learning. Uh, uh, ooh, got sex wiped. 
I didn't expect that, but okay, okay. And we learn, and we learn about ourselves, we learn about this, this Father God that we're chasing, and this Jesus that we're running with, and this Holy Spirit that gives us wisdom and comfort. We're learning about this stuff. We're learning about our brothers and sisters and this very complicated uh, system that we live in, and, you know, which is always changing. You know, I've just been processing life as a, as a middle-aged person, and Observing, you know, my father passing away, he died in January last, and I think I told you that before. But just that process of, of um, watching yourself grow, and you get into new places. And I remember when my dad died, somebody said, they said, do you feel any different? He's older than me, and his, his father's gone as well. He asked me, do you feel any different? I said, no, I, actually I don't, I feel awful. I feel, I feel oddly disconnected because my... My father's gone, and we didn't have, like, uh, what's a good example? Just a really, really close relationship. We worked really hard at what we had, and we had a good relationship, but it wasn't, it wasn't easy, right? We intentionally met over and over and fought and argued and worked through it and apologized and met. And then he's gone. And I knew I was doing that during that season because I knew one of these days he was going to be gone, and I would, he would be missing. And so here I am in this missing place. My friend says, have you felt that, that, just about ready to go ballistic? It's just on the edge of a fever. Yeah, so I warned him, or I asked him, I said, excuse me, he asked me, have you felt the mantle of patriarch come on you yet? And I, no, it's been like months, and I don't feel any of that. I feel... I feel, like I said, kind of, kind of disoriented, and I don't quite understand how this is working, and mostly I feel sadness, and just all those things, you know. And he said, it will, it will. And we realized, I realized what he was saying is, you know, you, you stepped into a new spot, and yeah, that, that's, those transitions aren't very fun all the time. But, but I was in a new place, and there was a new weight on me that I didn't recognize, and it made me feel out of balance, it made me feel emotional, um, made me feel, you know, I, I was processing the loss, but there was something else landing on me, and uh, talking to my sons, and talking with other people, and and then I began to realize, oh, 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 oh I do feel it, I'm feeling it, I'm, I'm beginning to learn what it's like to live in this different place, it was a promotion, it's a promotion out of absence, the man who filled that spot was now, that spot was now vacant, and I felt myself walk into that. That is an example of coming out of my cave again. You understand? Because I was, I was a son, and I have children, but I was comfortable in that zone of having parents, and then as one of them vacated and went on, and by the way, he's, he was a believer, and he's had more fun than any of us right now. I know this. So the tears are about me. You know that? It's like, why am I here? But, but just that whole process. Life is such an interesting thing. Staircase, isn't it? And uh, we don't always recognize the promotions. But the prosperous soul figures out how to fill that space. And this was, there's a lot more maybe than you caught last night in my message about invisibility. Because it was about occupying space. Um, yeah. Uh, hmm. Well, we're, we're zooming around now. I can feel the rabbit trails happening. 
Okay, so I'll I might keep going, but I'll just I'll just say this. Um, the class that's coming in probably in January will be this manual, but you can't get anywhere because it's still a working manual. There's still mistakes inside. I'm still cleaning it up, adding pieces. So if you want to hear what a prosperous soul looks like and how it applies to money, oh, that's great. How it applies to money, what you're, what I would suggest and recommend and experience, have experienced in my own finances, how Steve and Donna kind of look at our money. And that's, this is the question you would want to come to, okay? Um, and and it, it will be about money. There will be moments where your eyes will glaze over because we're dealing with, with numbers. We literally deal with numbers. So, fair warning, you know, bring your no-dos or your Starbucks or whatever you need to do. I'll keep it alive and it'll be fine. I really love the, the material and I think it's um, a completely new way of looking at me that no one has ever seen before. So I do think it's pretty, pretty interesting. If you're a couple, a young couple, or considering being a young couple, I hope to God that you could be a young couple. You know a young couple. Have you ever been a young couple? Anyway, I have this material. It's the closest thing in a, in a product fashion around this kind of material that exists because I haven't recorded this yet. This thing is me talking about kind of the rules of money and how money works and how to interact as a couple and some life stories about how Stephen and Donna uh, have, you know, found our way through the journey of me. And I just want to tell you about this. This is my book, which I'm really proud of. I would love for you guys to have a copy and read through it. If, uh, if you're interested, they're back there. But um, this is, uh, it accompanies this manual, all right? But the, you don't need the book to go with the manual. What I find is a lot of people, this feels a little daunting. There's a lot of work to be done. It's exercises and steps and declarations and books and references and blah, blah, blah. Whereas this is kind of just a, a story through the whole thing. And um, it's kind of a nice intro. If you have somebody you want to give the ideas to and suggest it, then this is a great way to do that. And the last thing is a little, a, a little dedication book. This is a bunch of... Ethel authors across the back, and we all wrote little little comments about healing in different areas. And my, my chapter in here is on healing your finances. But there's lots of different authors in here, and, uh, and Donna's in here as well. And so if you want to check it out, uh, there you go. So that's, that's it for my advertisements. Last night, we had a new token. I didn't hand it out because uh, they're kind of hard, they're kind of rascally. The, the token for the roots section is the mustard seed. You know, no mustard seed. What great biblical reference that is because how a tiny seed will grow such a massive tree. So does everybody have your little bag? You guys have your bags? What, I, what I'll do, I'll start circulating these through. You can take, here's how you do this, this thing. Open these babies and they're, they're everywhere. Like little magnets, right? Yeah, so please be careful because we want to leave a big mess. Does that make sense? Seriously, we don't want to leave a big mess. So just tip the finger and reach in there. And you'll get like, you know, I've probably got like 10 on my finger. Does that make sense? And just drop it in your bag. Does that make sense? So you just reach in, pass it into your finger, and then just, just kind of drop them into your bag and then pass the bag. 
But listen, drop off these things, because there's, there's like a billion seeds in here, right? <laughs> and then I got two of them. And wait, magnetic takes up in the north, they'll be all over the room. So, that cool? I'll just keep teaching, and you guys can go work on, on that. There's uh, that. And let me tear the lid off of this thing. I can do that. Okay. Actually, let's leave the little paper lid on this side, and we can just kind of... Awesome. Don't eat those. Mustard seed tastes terrible. Very good, very good. I prayed you guys would sleep well last night. Did everybody sleep well? Anybody not sleep well? We got one, two, three, four, five, six. Awesome. Why don't we have... <laughs> that's, that's my point, Bethel. We use that word all the time. It doesn't fit. Uh, those of you who didn't sleep well, why don't you stand up? Because we're just, just pray for you. Okay, so we're not separating you out. But this, uh, this is awesome, isn't it? I'll tell you what. There's a verse I'm going to find before we uh, before we go any farther. Those around, these who are standing, we're just going to bless them and pray for them. And I'm a verse out of scripture. It's a little exercise here in dominion, which we're going to teach about this afternoon. But we're going we're gonna to declare some, some stuff. What we're going to do is um, sleep. I'm looking up a verse in Proverbs. It says the sleep of the righteous is sweet, unharassed by evil. Isn't that beautiful? Uh, I'm not finding it. I'll have to look when I have a little more time. The sleep of the righteous is sweet, unharassed by evil. So those of you around them that have slept well, you're their prayer intercessors, okay? I want you to extend a hand. If it's comfortable, we'll put a hand on their shoulder. Just, uh, just bless them, God. We're so grateful for these in the room and their courage to stand, right? Their courage to stand. I, we bless you in Jesus' name. We just thank the Lord that you're here. We thank God that he made you. The way he made you, the way you smile, and the way you, the way you walk, and just who you are is a beautiful thing. There's no one else like you on the planet, you know. And you're filling up your space beautifully. And Lord, we thank you for these. And Lord, we come alongside as brothers and sisters, and we ask to bless their night watch. The times when they're in their bed, whether they're traveling or at home, we ask you to anoint their bed sheets and their pillowcases for rest and healing, for deep rest and a kind of sleep that is unharassed by evil. We ask you, God, to post angels at the corners of their house. Whatever that looks like, apartment or studio or home, whatever it looks like, post angels, post angels in Jesus' name at the corners of their property. In Jesus' name. And God, I ask uh, that you would put on them a mantle out of Proverbs that says the sleep of the righteous is sweet. Why don't you just feel that come on you? Just feel it come on you. Let it be on you like a mantle. That's your portion. I give it to you. And it won't slip. You understand? Those don't fall off. Those stay with you. And I pray that your night would be sweet, unharassed by evil. 
and we tie that mantle on your shoulders and pray and believe this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You're going to like that because that's a promise. That is a good promise. Yeah, I love my sleep. I do see people want. Got to look up a little phrase here. Got that. Beautiful. Yes. Do we have... Do we have a... Uh, maybe a hand mic? Handheld mic to for some... Some testimonies. Maybe we get a hot hand mic going. And what I thought would be fun to do is hear some of the testimonies. Oh my gosh, I need to introduce my bride. She came right up. Did, did not. This woman is amazing. We've been making 32. Working on 33. She's four years old. She was in Sozo International in Bethel Sozo. She was around the planet, set people for free, and, uh, including me. And uh, no, no, I'm, I'm just, just so proud of my wife and her, her ministry is all over the world. How many nations is Sozo in? Lots. Lots. We don't even know how many nations there are, but there's a lot. It's in a bunch of them. So she's, she's, she's got teams. Worked all over the all over the world. Isn't it amazing? Like yes. Scotland and China. Is it China? Africa, different places down there. Um, all over. UK. They were in like 85% of the countries. 85% of the countries. Yeah, I knew there was a set out out there. 85 of the countries. That's amazing. I haven't made it into North Korea yet, but we're still working. So anyway, welcome my wife. <laughs> Awesome. She's just a little announcement. She, had, you know, you know, we've handed out some things like the wealth map and some other things. But some of you have come after we get started. So if you're missing anything, just zoom over there. She's got them for you. Things like tokens, things like the wealth map handout, and uh, just other stuff. Um, I, I wanted to get a couple of testimonies um, um, from the June meeting, from this meeting last night. I've heard a few testimonies. I'd love to share and hear out loud what God is doing. Because you know why we do that? One is it puffs me up. That's, that's, that's awesome. I like that. And, and, and two, uh, it's in the Bible. It says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. In other words, when we talk about what God is doing, uh, we, are, we are prophesying to the people around us. They're listening and going, well, that could happen for me. That, why, that's, that's a great question. Why can't that happen for me? And the truth is it can. It can. So does anybody have anything they want to just share about what's been going on in the Prosperous Soul uh, meetings that we've had from June and from last night? Sheila here? Right here? Sheila had something that we think of Sheila. And we'll keep them short because I still got to teach, but it's fun. Well, I came to the Prosperous Soul in June. And it was life-changing me. Um, not just life-changing because he messed with my head, but <laughs> it yeah, through him. And um, but it actually resulted in a change in my lifestyle um, because of it. That weekend, um, 
The first night I came, he said that there was somebody hiding and they needed to come out of hiding. That was me. And to take a step of faith and do something that I was fearful to do, that was me. And so the outward change has been that that was the birth of my business that I'm now involved in. And it was because of the million dollars yeah. that he gave us. Um, not I can give him a million dollars. You should. <laughs> Sorry. <It's okay. laughs> the one time I ever heard of it. So God did an amazing thing about what I was to do, and it was such a huge dream and huge vision that it's only God. It's funding through His kingdom business and training and equipping wow. and traveling and you know just so big, huge stuff. And of course, the biggest thing in those three boxes had to be love. That was the mm. first thing there. And um, so, yeah, I'm now in business. I'm networking and doing a lot of stuff, which is totally stretching me out of my comfort zone. I'd love to be in my cave still, but <laughs> I'm out. And so, if anybody wants um, any conversation about that later, please come talk to me.
over and over and over. And God, you want me here. Why? If you wanted me to have a wonderful time job, you would have done it. So you want me doing all these different things. So I just really think that if we, um, the way we look at things is can can really be um, holding us back instead of just being grateful for what we have and knowing he's doing something in the midst of it. So I just bless you with that, whatever you're going through, because it's been 13 years. I've been still waiting for a full-time job and a husband to just take care of me so I don't have to work so hard, but I'm working hard and I'm still being provided for and I don't have to worry about what he's going to do and how I'm going to pay for gas and how I'm going to get someone to walk my dog or whatever. So I just bless you with that, that that whatever you're struggling with or whatever you've been hoping for or waiting for, it's still on its way. And just embrace the things that you're having going on in your life. Embrace the hard thing. Don't be frustrated about what's going on, but just embrace it and be grateful. testimonies, huh? Can I just feed your heart? Um, David was the, was a mighty, mighty man, and a man of war, but he was a man after God's own heart. And it says that he had hidden in his heart these this thing to build a house for God. And he didn't build it. He God told him, you can't because you have blood on your hands. But, but, but David had made space in his heart for something to honor God. Does that make sense? 
he made space. And so what he did is when he realized he couldn't build it himself, so he realized his son Solomon would build it. So he started gathering all the resources for his son. Well, eventually David dies, and Solomon takes his place. And this is what she was just talking about. How there are things left. There are mantles that are left on the ground. And they live in our family. And those things get lost and forgotten all the time. It's one of the inheritances that, that lays there. It's, it's, it's interesting to watch over generations how, you know, that said in America, I can use this kind of language here because we're all, you know, familiar with it. When I travel, I can't use these examples. But the average American in his lifetime will make between three and five million dollars. Did you know that? The average will make between three to five million dollars in their lifetime. And imagine all the generations behind you, just you, all represented in this room, all these generations of Americans creating wealth, and it's all there. Where is it today? You know, what is there, 30 of us or 40 of us in here? Are there, is there 40 millions of dollars times 40 more in here? You know, there's just, where is the wealth? We tend to... We, we, we have forgotten the capacity to carry. Now, uh, it, it hasn't always been lost. Gosh, this is, I don't mean this rude or any, in any way. I, I love, uh, I love Jewish people. And I hope there's some in here because I hope you feel it. I love that. I love them. And one of the things that I admire about them is their capacity to carry. They know how to carry. And then we get this phrase when that happens, old wealth. Who's heard of that phrase, old wealth? Now, not, not only do Jewish people do that, but a minority of Americans carry wealth. What we do instead is consume wealth, right? We've shifted. There was a time when we carried wealth. When America was new and our perspective was sacrificing for the sake of a country that was, yet to, that was still struggling and trying to birth, we understood that we understood how to carry, and you read the language of our founding fathers, and it's just inspiring. And I was in D.C. not too many months ago, and walking around the monuments, the Washington and the Lincoln and the Jefferson, and uh, uh, others, um, the Roosevelt. And as I was walking around these, reading the language inscribed on the walls and carved into stone and granite, you know, it's like man, man, we have we have slipped. You know, we have changed. This fascinating idea, idea of caring. What she was just talking about is this idea that there, there, there are like, in the parents before us and families behind you right now. We all have parents, right? We all have moms and dads. I'm pretty sure that's true. None of us are test tubers yet. We're all, we all have histories. And yeah, some of those can be pretty kinked up. I get that. Life is messy as heck. I got stuff that you'd be surprised about in my family tree. It's just there. Life is messy. But there are... God has placed on every individual, every family, I believe, an assignment. And the enemy of our hearts is worked really hard to twist that. And when we look back over the kinked up, messy parts of our family, we're looking at the kinks and the twists that the enemy has done. But behind that is the truth of each of our families has is like an anointing of each of our families each of us now carry we have inherited that and and what this woman was just sharing is how she was redigging that well she redug that well 
her father uh, left a mantle on the ground. He left the job undone. And, and she was willing to go pick that thing up. And that's something. I realized my dad, um, I think I shared this last time, but I'll share it again. I figured uh, when, when my dad passed away, I am his only son. So I was, you know, it was simple legally, but still it was a lot of work and pressure just on me to get his estate and all of his affairs organized. And it was messy and uncomfortable. And I'm navigating through it and doing it. Doing it and, and I discover in the midst of that that he left me an inheritance. It wasn't a lot of money, but it, it was a, a bona fide inheritance. And it was small enough that I didn't have to go through all of the legal stuff. But it was there. And I thought, that's amazing. And I thought it was, thought it was amazing because I look back over my family history, and I realized I could count my dad's life, who was, I'll round it to 80 years. He wasn't quite 80, but I'll just say 80. And let's say his father uh, was born when maybe his dad was 20. So I'm adding 80 of my dad's years, 20 of my grandfather's years, which who, by the way, I've never met. No inheritance ever. So 100 years, nothing. I don't know how far back it goes where the silver line hadn't passed an inheritance financially, you see? And I, and I thought how odd that was and how amazing, I know I'm overusing that word, but I am amazed that my dad... But I didn't realize he was doing this, overcame an obstacle. He, he left, I think, the first inheritance in at least at least 100 years. At least. And, and, and I would speculate longer because where is it? Right? I don't think maybe the first ever. I don't know. But I know that in 100 years there's been nothing. And see, some working in this area of, of inheritance, the Bible says that a righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. In other words, it's not like they are, are always leaving inheritances. And are we going to pick that up? And just this process is so found around me because I talk about, about wealth and I talk about, about money and inheritance and generational curses and generational blessings and all this stuff. And to watch it appear right in front of my eyes was such an amazement to me. I just I was just so inspired by my dad and grateful. And I recognize now, oh this is what he carried and that's what he carried and so for all of all of all of this stuff, basically my family line, I was the first, to my knowledge, I was the first one saved. I was the first one who bowed to Christ. And eventually my father did. Years later my father did. And others but it's like I just perceived myself as kind of the pioneer, you know, kind of the one out front where I bumped into Jesus first and went in memory line, and I'm, and I'm waiting for them all to come in. And so we kept paradigm, I always thought, well, this is called me. This is kind of what I dreamed up. But now I'm realizing, oh, that's, that was short-sighted and foolish. This might be him. This might be for my dad's inheritance. And who knows about how far, if we could untwist the works of the enemy... If we could untwist those in our family line, how far does that go back? I don't know. You know, it's just it's just a, a fun for me to think. All the enemy can do is twist, and if if we can see underneath that, underneath that twist or through that twist, we can see. You can see what is it on your family, in you and in your parents, that is the good part. 
that is the, the, the God fingerprint where God fashioned your family line and he handled you like clay and he shaped you and he you and, and, and when he set you down, you to let, let go, his fingerprints were all over the clay. You know what I mean? Just like, just like air, air. You tell that it was, it was made by Papa. And when you go, though, that's, that's how you were fashioned. And that good thing, because he can't make any junk. And, and that good thing in there, mind that. Mind it. Get over your stuff. You know, we all have wounds, don't we? We have offenses. We all have, I can't believe he did that to me. And I, t- I told you some pretty vulnerable stuff last night. It was a member, member who uh, did some things to me back when I was a little kid before I really got a grip for some things. Who cares what those are? But it's like, you know, I live my, live my life walking backwards. I live my, my life defined by what happened before. Or I can actually understand that the cross, Christianity, is the religion that turns us around, that washes away all of our stuff behind and sets in front of us an open path. You get that? Isn't that amazing? You know, most of them identify themselves and yourself by your history. By your fathers and your fathers' fathers, who fought who, who had who, you know, the Hatfields and McCoys, right? You know, well, Hatfields, so I guess I got to shoot, shoot you, you know. So that the whole idea of our past, but you know, that is all under the blood. Christ uniquely sets all of that away. It doesn't. It doesn't wash away the fingerprints of God, though. When that 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 good can be mined. And in front of us, we turn around, and there's the cross right there, right? In front of us is just this, this open path of what's possible. And that's what we're going to tinker with today. What is possible in your life? We're going to talk about dreaming. And I'll segue right into that. Into that. I mentioned, mentioned um, when, if you're new to, new to this environment, and you, and you see us pray for someone, and they're falling down, or they're shaking, or they're tweaking, I should just mention to you uh, what that is. Uh, if that's kind of scary or freaky, when uh, what, there's a word in the word in the Bible that talks about glory, and glory means weightiness. I mentioned that earlier, and sometimes that weight, the weight of glory or the presence of this invisible God that we believe in, touches us, and sometimes it knocks us flat on our tails. And one time. Uh, you know, and you can, you can. In my own experience, I believed in that sometimes, and then other times I didn't believe in that. I remember when I first came to Bethel Church, and we had a guy named Rodney Howard Brown. And that was an alert person. I'll tell you, a different cat. Yeah, I remember he, remember he was saying, and in this one particular day, I remember thinking, why do people fall down? But at church, at church, and I'm, you know, on staff, so I'll just. Go with it, but I'm not falling down. I'm not. Why? If it's if it's it's either real or not. You know, it's either real or not. And so I remember um, we were having a meeting and meeting, and it was a bunch of our leaders. And Rodney was um, ministering, and he would look up just up just for you were in rows, but we would all be standing. He would he would he would start running. He would just he would just pray for you, one after the other. And behind each person would be somebody to catch, just in case they fell. Rodney is a, he's a big old South African dude. That guy's big. And he didn't push. He just, but he would just touch them on the forehead. Boom, boom. They were falling like locks. Just, and, and people are catching, and we'd run around, run around like this. 
And this was this was pretty new to me because I grew up in loving this stuff. I grew up in um, I was just a cowboy, you know. I'm just kidding. My version of church was church was just uh, a school gymnasium, tar guitars and folding chairs. That was church. So in this whole this whole grid. And I remember God, you know, I you know this this has got to be real. Is, is this real? And I'm just processing that. Well, I was catching these people. And, um, with a bunch of us, there's a whole arsenal of us, and we're catching these people, and Rodney come along, and he, he cut a guy on, guy on me behind, behind, like, let's say, Brent is the guy who's going to get prayer, and I'm behind Brent. And Rodney comes along, comes along, and he prays for Brent, but just before he, he, he looks around me, and he sees me, and he reaches through, and touches me right on the head, just, just like that. And I kid you not, I was on the ground before I realized I was, I was it was like wow hilarious it's I don't understand you know I put it in the category in the Bible that it says there's signs and wonders there's signs that make you wonder they make, make you wonder I don't know why God would do that I know that I didn't get it I know that I was on the ground. It didn't hurt. That's a miracle. A miracle. Yeah. You, go, you go from vertical to horizontal and it not hurt. Anyway, so if any of the stuff is, is awkward, awkward to you, just that, you know, we're not, it's not, it's not put on, we're not fit, there's, there's, we're not going to show, show it. What, who, who are we showing off to, right? We're not, there's, we're not doing anything. If God touches such as someone, we don't need to understand it. When, the, when a person's on the floor, there's a lot of uh, engineering that's going on in their heart. And there's a place in our heart that's so deep. It's like a well, and it's deep. It's deeper than the bodies. It's, it goes deep. I don't understand it, but I know that it's big enough for eternity to fit inside. Think about it. God himself can fit inside this well. How is, it, how is it possible? It's because we're made in His image. It's a, it's a mystery. And it is amazing. Isn't it? It is, it is amazing. But you, God Himself lives in these little tiny wells. So, so that's what's going on. I just thought I'd give a little, a little context there. So 11 o'clock, we have an hour. And uh, we could go past. So, so if... Uh, I need to, but, but if I roll past 12, 12 and you guys get hungry and done before me, just go ahead and leave. Ahead and leave. Is that fair? Does it like, like bother me? My classes that are on Sunday, we have rules. Have rules. You, jump, you, jump, you need to use the bathroom or you need coffee, you just go ahead and move around. It's all good. So I feel the same way. This feels like family to me. So if I get to just, to just relax and wear my crazy shirts, you know? <laughs> just, just do it. Yeah, I like it. Take it too. Mostly my wife. My wife likes it, and that's all that matters to me. Like, this shirt I'm wearing. I'm wearing it, girlfriend. Pretty fun. We have some funny stories about us, but I won't share them because I want to get into the context of dreaming. You see, when we go in a, as a prosperous soul, do you remember last night? I told you again. I didn't mean to, but I did anyway. The wrestling match between my soul and my spirit, and how my spirit. One, my soul. My soul, meaning my mind, will, and emotion. Just kind of the invisible part of me. My soul, who knows all about me, thinks it knows all about me. But my soul, 
who were acting now with, with my spirit, who was filled with the Holy Spirit. My spirit now is, is, is healed and is eternal. And these two come to war. And, and God said the simple word. He flushed out that lie about my, my uh, valuelessness. And I told you where I came by that honestly. That stuff comes by. You know, we get it honest enough. And, uh, but in that, God, God flushed it out with a simple phrase. Say, I am good. And I couldn't say it. Remember this. And how awful of a battle that felt. And uh, how really guilty I felt to even think that I would be good. So like that, that, that's impossible. Well, flush that out. And I, I was left with uh, the statement. I remember when I finally said it. Now you realize, physically, it was just me alone in the room. Not much bigger than this. No, smaller than this. By half the size. I mean, by myself in this prayer chapel. And... And I am saying, I am good. You know, it's silly, right? I, I'm, I'm good. Ah, I'm good. I'm good? Yeah. The cross made me good. Oh, that's right. The cross restored the bar. And because of that, I can say, I am good. He restored me back. Okay, okay, okay. My, my soul was relearning. My soul was, was demonstrating real humility. Because the cross restored me to very good. You are restored to very good. Now, I know you got your stuff. I got my stuff. But the cross can't be greater than your stuff. Excuse me. Your stuff can't be greater than the cross. You realize that, right? Man. A little heresy moment there for a moment. Apologize for that. Man, you're stuck. This was the crisis happening. Can my conviction about my condition possibly stand taller than the cross? No way. So I had to bow to that. Now that's humility demonstrated. Now, real humility is not easy stuff. Humility is like, well, if the cross made me good, I have to stand up. It's like I have to take up space because I'm good. I have a I have an assignment. I have a. I'm significant. You are significant. I'm not talking this about me. Understand this. I know I'm significant. I'm talking to you now about how a prosperous soul recognizes its importance and assignment in life. You take up space. You have a place to fill. And here's the cool thing about it: you were designed for it. It's not work. This isn't discipline that I'm talking about. Now, discipline is awesome. I demonstrate discipline in many, many areas of my life. But I don't discipline myself to believe I'm valuable. You see that? It like, it, because there's this engine that runs inside of us. This engine of identity. And this engine, this engine, if I illustrate it like a little spiral, a little engine turning, a little motor turning, that's the perpetual motion machine. You know, that there, that there is no such thing, but there is. It's inside of us. It just, it'll run every day. It's, it's when we are operating according to our purpose. When we are operating according to our purpose, that engine just runs because it fuels you. It generates its own energy. It's like, man, I was driving down here. Now, I, 
I was coming here to do this, this seminar. And I'm driving along, and I have been busy, stressed out. And when I go back, I've got a lot of stressful things. These are deadlines and things that I have to deal with um, in this, this place that I work as the, the uh, CFO of Bethel, right? And, uh, and these things, you know, they, they weigh me down. And I've navigated and done those. I just like every minute, right up till I go to sleep at night, I wake up in the morning to try to get everything done. So I'm, I'm saying it's, it's, it's busy. And, and it's been stressful, and I'm driving down on this trip. I got, I didn't get it done, but I got, I made a wedge of room, and here I come, I'm driving along, and I think, and I, and I didn't even say it on purpose, it comes out of me. I said, I love my wife. Donna goes, what? I go, I just love my wife. That's the, pe- that's the sound of the perpetual motion machine. I didn't like, engineer that. You know what I mean? It's like, Okay, I'm going to get up every morning and stare in the mirror and tell me, I love my life, I love myself, I am significant. No, I didn't get that. You know, why would I do that? But it, when it emerges, and this is what a prosperous soul feels like and sounds like. Now, I've lived both ways. And I've got to tell you, it's way better living with a perpetual motion machine. But this little motor, actually what I'm, I'm kind of tinkering around with here is a tool I learned, I taught last time I was here, called Purpose Train. I talked about four boxes. Some of you uh, heard it audio and not didn't get to see it. So it's four boxes that look like this. And they're chained together like a train would be chained. And I won't recover the whole thing, because I'm just going to jump to my main point. That uh, Well, I'll give you a little more fill-in. This is tactics, the tactical issues of life. This is the strategies of life. And for those of you, uh, let me just, I see some of you are having a hard time seeing it. Yeah. Let me just set it up here. Oh and um, can you stretch that right out for a minute? Thank you so much. Tactics, and most of us spend our life wrestling with tactical issues, like how do I do this or that? Should I go to the... You know, should I get my hair permed? And, yeah, yeah. You know, how do I do this? Yeah. Donna brought a brush last night. I said, can I borrow your brush? I said, oh. Anyway, tactical issues. And, but, but we tend to kind of, they, it's like bugs on our windshield. There's so many of them all the time. Like my issues of trying to get just through my day up where I work, there's just bugs. You know my inbox, my email inbox? It's grown since we talked last. It's over 3,500 emails in my inbox right now. It's like this wall of information. And, and that's with two people working in it, pulling out the junk. I mean, you know, and just, they're just sending me announcements and newsletters. Those are gone. These are, these are the work ones. It's like, oh. Anyway, I can easily focus on tactics to where you never... You, you're just dealing with issues. But understand, you'll, you'll, you know, the odds of making a good tactical choice are only accidental. It's because it's pulled by something bigger. And, and so this is strategies are bigger. See, if your life, if your engine is down here in tactics box, that's like your engine is pushing your train. You know, trains are better pulled than pushed. Right? If you push a train uphill, it'll kink. Want it. It'll kink and dislodge and fall off the tracks. You get all manner of troubles. Pushing your life from your tactical issues is just a short-term plan 
to kinking up your, your, your train, making bad choices, right? So it's got to be pulled by something bigger. Rather than, than spend a lot more time, I'm just going to zip through it. Strategies pull your tactics. When you know what your, what your strategy is, your tactics make more sense and you can eliminate the tactics. Or the decisions you're trying to make that are a waste of time, they may not even attach to your strategy. It's like a little line that comes up and doesn't connect. So you can thin out your life. Well, strategies, you're only going to accidentally make a good strategy unless it's pulled by something bigger, which is your vision. What do you see? This answers the what. This answers the, the how. And these are tasks. But what do you see? Vision is only going to... You're only going to accidentally have a, an accurate vision or a long-term vision that's right unless it's pulled by something bigger, which is purpose. So when I talk about this stuff, when I, when I say purpose, I'm talking about the, the, the why. Why are you here? Why did God, did God make you? When He let go of you like clay, what fingerprints are on you? Why did God make you? And for Steve... Well, I, I should stop or I'll, I'll spend the whole hour talking about the purpose training. But what I will say is that when your life is pulled by purpose, it determines and pulls along what you see out of it, your vision, and which pulls your strategies to accomplish that task, which, which clears out your tactical problems. I mean, it just makes them make sense. Does that make sense? Yep. This is a way more powerful way to live your life. This is the, this is turned up right side. If you turn it this way, you have the life of a hero, someone who's living intentionally. If you turn it upside down, you have the life of a victim. You have a life who is ruled by other people. And one of the conditions of money is us working for money. And this is a way you turn your life around and money works for you. That's, a, that's an illustration back to the money issue. You know, money can work for you. It, it is designed to work for you. It's a perfect slave. Money is the perfect slave. It, is, it loves to go to work for you every day, work all day long, make babies, and have the babies go to work. That's the perfect Money is the slave. But when it becomes your master, you got all manner of trouble, don't you? And that's the mammon message that we talked about last time. But right on top of this is a little hook. Little clothes hook, like a coat hanger hook. And that hook hangs on two posts. Everybody in life has a choice. And I think I think this may oversimplify it, but I do, do think there's only two pegs or posts that you can hang your life on. The first one is the spirit of orphan. The second one is the spirit of adoption. And the verse reference is Romans 8.15. So if you want to go check out a, 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 a verse that is like steak, go chew Romans 8.15. Just eat it. Just chew on it and process what's going on in there. Because if, this, if you're hanging on the orphan spirit, that's going to change your purpose. That's going to change your why. Which will determine your, your vision, what? Which will dictate your strategy. So you'll have a, a warped purpose training if you still perceive yourself as, a, as an orphan. 
moving that over, Romans 8, 15, moving that over and hanging on the spirit of adoption as sons. Let me cry out, Abba, Father. Identity. Identity is the fuel for your perpetual motion machine. So these are, these are important comments and, and is around, is around the idea of a prosperous soul. But I don't want to just stand up here and talk to you about it. I want you guys to begin to figure out, now how do I take these puzzle pieces and put them in place in my life? How do I actually engineer my life? And, and so now I'm going to shift gears a little bit. I'm going to go man to manual. And I'm going to take you to page 47. 47 eventually will become its own session because it's actually into quite a piece of, piece of the prosperous soul message. Page 47 starts with, I cannot find, not find my dream. And, and I'm going to talk about the dreams, and that's what I'm going to spend the rest of this hour talking about. See, uh, I told you life is messy, and I mean it. Uh, and, and what happens is the, the messiness of life can dull us down. It can wear us out. It can beat us down. It can turn off our capacity to ask or imagine. You know, you got these big verses in the Bible. Ask or imagine. I, do, I, I can't bear to stand up here and tell you about all the great things that are out there if I don't give you guys a breadcrumb trail of right how to get there. And that's what I'm trying to do right here. This is literally following this step will take you to a place where you can dream again. Now, I, I tempted to ask for a raise of hands, but I don't think I'm going to. But maybe um, just process for a moment. Maybe ask yourself the question, do I even have the energy to dream, to hope? When I say dream here, I'm talking about the, the capacity to think, to think. To think about yourself, to think, man, I could, I could write a book. Or I could write a poem. Or... You know, what would that mantle is from my family? Oh, maybe it's maybe it's wealth creation. Maybe it is, and, and maybe I can put on that mantle like this brave woman over here did. She that's courage, man. That was courage to pick it up and put it on. You know, and some of us have lived under the influence of the victim mentality. We've lived under the the idea that life kind of happens to you and it's maybe you don't even have the strength in your arms so to speak to raise your defenses again that's kind of what I'm talking about that condition of exhaustion spiritual, emotional, mental exhaustion it might even be generational like what I mean by that is your grandfather, your father and yourself have, it's just, this, is, this is our pattern okay this is who I'm tapping right now and who I want to speak to. There's a couple interesting things that are influenced by the spirit of poverty. This is one of them. The spirit of poverty, I told you yesterday, tends to pull us down and wear us out. It tends to break down our capacity to dream and ask and imagine. You know, the Bible says, whenever you ask in my name, that's that's a pretty scary verse. Is that, I mean, have you ever thought about that? And it's just, you know, how do, we, how do we get there from here? Because I can't even raise my arms to defend myself, let alone climb. Well, 
There's this, this, this poverty mentality, this experience of the victim, what it creates in us is a fear of success. It creates, uh, let, let me put it this way, we look at the possibility of dream as a risk because it will make us stand out. The enemy will see us. The enemy walks about like a lion, seeing who he can devour. And when he sees one of us taller, growing taller, he attacks. So we have this perception that our dream, our hope, our testimony, I've been sick in a year and a half. Well, no, I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to get sick next week. Right? Because we perceive that this enemy can see us. It's called tall poppy syndrome. It's the idea that there's a field of flowers or poppies and there's one that's really grown tall. You see that? Can you imagine that field? And here's this one tall one and the farmer sees it and goes over and knocks off that blossom. The idea that, that, that there's this, this threat to our dreams and our hopes. The great example, biblically, is Joseph, who is called a dreamer, literally. His brothers say, here comes that dreamer. Remember that? It's Genesis, I forget, early Genesis. So, so Joseph is such an interesting study because he was, by definition, a dreamer. And his daddy gives him this coat, and his brother's hating for it, and what happens? His dream, basically, if we're not careful in our reading, we will conclude that that supports it. The dream put Joseph in the hole. Remember the brothers hated him and threw him in the hole? They were going to kill him, and I think it was Reuben, his older brother, said, let's not get blood on our hands, let's just throw him in a hole. That's a way better idea. Let's do that. So we throw him in a hole, and then here comes a caravan, and they're like... Well, I got an idea. Let's make some money off of him. They sell him to the caravan. As far as they know, Joseph is, a, is enslaved. I mean, he's just gone. It's some random little Bedouin group wandering through the desert, right? Of course, we know the rest of the story, but they didn't. They didn't. And so we see, we see a guy who is a dreamer suffering because of his dream, if we're not careful in the reading. But if you, if you study it, and I encourage you to do that, just read the timeline that happens. What happens is says that Joseph was hated by his brothers. And this was before the coat. It was before he had... You remember what inflamed their anger was he said, I had a dream last night and seven sheaves and the moon and the stars and they all bowed down. Remember this? And they were like, even the dad was like, are you saying we're going to bow down to you? And the brothers were like, I ain't doing that, you little squirt. You know, they, they were mad at him. But it's interesting, if you study the timeline, the hatred of, of Joseph was on him before the dream. The dream booed him out. Because if you follow Joseph through his life, how did he get out of prison? He gets out because Pharaoh hears, well, actually... The magicians and the soothsayers, all the wise men, they're the ones that pulled Joseph out of prison. They said, hey, there's a Hebrew down there, and Pharaoh's fixing to kill us all if we don't interpret this dream. So, so it's interesting, the dream pulled 
Joseph out. The dream is like a buoy. It's like a float in the ocean. It keeps us afloat. The enemy doesn't want us to know this. The enemy wants us to think the dream makes us a target. But the truth is the dream lifts us out. Now, now that's a really important thing for the enemy to do. He can't have a church filled with dreamers. Could you imagine, just, just in this room, if every one of us carried a dream like a buoy that lifted us out of prisons in our heart. Just imagine the danger in this room if we were all dreaming. The danger to the enemy. Well, that is a real danger to him. The entire church is called to ask and imagine. We are. We're called to dream. We're called to fill our destiny. This idea of a prosperous soul is a man or a woman, this is you, thinking, I'm significant. I'm good. And throwing off that lie of, I'm, I'm, a wreck, I'm wreckage, or I'm stigmatized, or whatever thing it is, I'm dirty, I'm ashamed. To throw that off and realize, that may have been true, but today it's not. Because this amazing cleanser called the blood of Christ has spilled over us. And for us to stay in that condition is denying the power of the cross. See, true humility will go, wow, I'm not going to do that. The cross did happen and his blood did spill and I crawled underneath it. In my low state, I got underneath that little fountain. And now, I am significant. I am. And it, to me, it promotes the cross. That's something. That's a higher offering given on the other side of humility. It's like when I understand, when you understand who you are, when you begin to hope and dream, that's a higher offering than before when you feel like you're wreckage. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. And so, so this idea, this tall poppy syndrome, this idea, no, the dream is powerful medicine. But there's a strategy the enemy has been using, and he used it on me. And like most of these, this whole thing is, is basically my, my own experience. And what happened is, I'll tell it quickly, but I was working at Bethel, and I had my own tax practice at the time. I'm a CPA, and so I had left public accounting, and when I went to work at Bethel to be their comptroller, I started a small little practice on the side. And the practice grew. I held that practice for 12 years, and I sold it in the 13th year. And over those years, it grew. It started at 10, employee, uh, 10 clients. And I spent in, in churches and ministers, because that's who I was serving and that's where I was working. And I thought, I don't really, I want to serve these guys. I don't want to serve anybody else. I know everybody else needs services. Go, go somewhere else for that. I didn't advertise myself, but I did ask God to bless me. And he did. And my, hundred, my 10 clients grew to 20 and 50 and 75 and 100, 125, 150. Over about, by, by probably my 12th year, probably by 10th year, I had 150 clients. 
Now, that doesn't maybe sound like a lot, except to remember that I'm working full-time at Bethel. And I'm doing these on evenings and Saturdays. I have Fridays off, so for me, my week looked like all day Friday, taxes. All day Saturday, taxes. All day Sunday, because I'm on staff, and Sunday's a work day for me. And then Monday through Thursday, I'm working as the, now the CFO of Bethel. And then on Friday, I have to go back to do tax returns. And so I worked for years and years, seven, seven day weeks. But I did it for the Lord. Right? I did it for the people that I wanted to serve. These were pastors. These were guys that you, guys and gals that you've heard of uh, around this community and up, you know, in the Bethel universe, all the full cast of Disney characters up there. Goofy <laughs> 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 and Doggy and I'll leave the rest out. I had, I had clients in Alaska and clients in Tennessee and um, Atlanta, uh, Georgia and uh, Nevada. Oregon and Washington. I had them all over the place. And God was blessing my business. But I had, uh, I was trying to do this all on part time and what happened is I, uh, I started getting so tired. Well, I'm a servant to the bone. I mean, I would just, I was just grinding myself to death. So I would not let my wife or my kids know. I mean, they knew I was working hard. But I was raised, I had a little boys then. And so uh, as best as I could, I never let them see how hard I was working. So what that meant is I just get up earlier. Mm-hmm. Right? You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. We, we, we all got stories like this. But my, my scenario began to unravel. And what happened is I got to the point in my life, I went into Danny's Silk. I guess you guys have him in February, it sounds like. Well, I went into Danny one day and I said, Danny, I think I'm broken. I think I've broken something. Now this... I was scared because I, I realized I wasn't having any feelings or emotions inside. That had shut down. Because at this point, I'd been doing seven day weeks for probably seven years or so. I never did the math, but it was a long time. I just, I just worked it. And I was working for all the right reasons, for all the right people. Right? And so, as a, as a Christian, I just felt like I was just pouring myself out for a good cause. But it was killing me. And he said, just give yourself some rest. You're just burned out. So I took a couple days off. Didn't even dent the problem. So I knew I had something going on. So I started um, looking around. I went to medical. I went to the doctor of mine and I said, I think something's wrong. I don't, I, I don't, is this normal? It turns out I was, I was, I don't know, I don't know anything about medical stuff. But I, you know, I was in some degree of depression, some degree of um, what's that serotonin or whatever that is inside of our bodies that gets worn out, that was gone in me. And I was kind of this zombie thing. Now I still laughed and messed around, but inside it was really empty. And, you know, Donna still knew I loved her and I and she loved me back, but it was it was clay. It was inert. I was inside of a sleep. I had gone to sleep. And every one night, God, night, God gave me this dream. And I know this one. I don't want to over-exaggerate it, but it kind of saved my, saved my life. Uh, that's true. That's true. But I was at spot, at spot anyway. And um, I had this dream. 
I was in my office. It's the office I work in every day. I'm at my desk. I have a counter. <coughs> I'm at a desk. I have a counter that runs around one side. And I'm at the counter with my computer and my keyboard that I'm working. Uh, did I share this last time? Okay. Seems like I have. I share this a lot. So I'm sitting there working at the counter. And while I'm working on the screen, looking, typing, I get a phone call. And so I answer the phone. I pick up the phone, put it under my chin, and then I'm talking on the phone. And I'm doing, I'm doing my computer and I'm talking on the phone. And then somebody comes and knocks on the door. And I turn and I'm, I'm clicking on my computer. I'm turning, I'm talking on the phone, and they ask me something through the door of my office. And I, and I remember going, nodding, yeah, yeah, do that. You know, do that. And uh, so I'm doing three things at once. And so, now in this dream, there's two Steves. There's this busy one, and then there's this one over here that's watching. There's just me, and I'm standing next to Father God. And we're watching me do all this stuff. Does that make sense? And I am just smoking, man. I'm just tearing it up. Right? Three things at once. Now, men don't do that, right? <laughs> but there I was. I was so proud of myself. In this dream, I looked to God in this totally naive moment. I'm so pleased that he gets to see me doing so well. And I look up with this smile like a little boy to his daddy. And in my heart, and this is not a word is spoken, right? But in my heart, I'm saying, aren't I doing well, daddy? You know, just this, ta-da. And Father God leans down and in a tender way says, that is not from me. And it wakes me up out of dead sleep. It just freaks me out. It wakes me up, which is a miracle, because I sleep really hard. I'm get out of a dead sleep. I, I sit up in bed, and I, I have this conclusion. If this is not from God, this must be from the evil one. And so I'm left with this. Oh my gosh, what? I thought I was serving the Lord. Is this from the evil one? So I go out into my bed, into my office, and I look up the phrase evil one. Now we haven't been doing much in the manual, but I'd like you to turn to page 50. And on that page, on the next, you're going to see the ten verses that, or I think it's nine verses, ten times that the phrase evil one is used in the New American Standard Translation, which is my version. Okay, so that's what I studied. New American Standard, page 50. At the top, uh, I'll just randomly read this, Matthew 13, 19. When he hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand, understand it, one wums and wums and snatches away what has been sown in his heart, one on whom the seed, whom the seed was sown beside the road. Who's, who's read that before, right? Common verse. Well, all of these verses are familiar. Ephesians, Ephesians 1. To all, taking up the shield, the shield with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. 
So, I think, I think, okay, I got these, it's 2 in the morning, 2.30 in the morning. I write down these 10 verses, and I go to sleep. I get up the next day, and I go straight to the prayer chapel, and I got some business to do. I got to figure out, what is God telling me? Am I in sin? Is this, he doesn't want me to work here anymore? Does he, uh, what are you saying? If this isn't from you, what in the world am I going to do? And so I was like at this cross sense. My sense was I'm at a crossroads and i got to figure out what God is telling me. So I have these ten verses and my Strong's Dictionary. So I look up the meaning of the word evil one, which is obvious. I love to study these words. And of course, I expect it's going to say devil or demon or Satan or something. Evil one, devil. It doesn't. It says... A word spelled P-O-N-E, which means to toil. So, let's just read Matthew 13, 19 one more time. And here's the word, the word of the king, and does not understand or it. Toil comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. Six. In addition to up the shield, the shield of which, with which you will be extinguished, extinguish, only flaring arrows of toil. Interesting. I'm like, what in the world is that? And they're saying there's no devil. There isn't, there isn't an evil one. I'm saying that the enemy of our souls uses toil to accomplish his tasks. And I was deep in it, right up to my little blue eyes. I was swimming in toil. You see, I realize there's a verse, which I find it quickly, but I won't take the time. It's in Proverbs. It says, the blessing of the Lord, it's the blessing of the Lord that makes rich. What is it? I do have to look it's on it. on the next page. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you so much. It is a... I still don't see it. It is the Lord, the Lord that makes rich. Thank you. And he adds no sorrow to it. I had the sorrow to it. I can remember the first part. It's the blessing of the Lord that makes rich. And he adds no sorrow to it. Now I had, I was living in a situation where I had asked God to bless me and to bless me and to bless me. It's, it's as if there was a territory around me that is my turf. This is my blessed turf. And God was blessing me in it. He was making me rich in it. But this around me, my territory, it's like a wall. And here's a gate. And I walked through the gate. But he has no sorrow to it. I had walked past it. Mistaking his blessing for, for this spreading experience of mine. This increased. And I was beginning to experience sorrow. Sorrows look like... Wow, I'm, I'm gone. I'm missing inside. I can't find myself. I can't find a feeling. I'm, I'm having to take medication, which I had to get off that junk because, man, it was wiping me out. It was just, I was just, what is going on? My wheels were coming off. <coughs> I realized this question. I had gone past, somehow, I had gone past the blessing and presumption. Somehow I had gotten out too far, and sorrows were being added. 
And I'm like, oh my God, what do I do? What do I do? And he said, and now after a long time, he said three words. Keep my Sabbath. That's what he tells me. Keep my Sabbath. Sabbath. And page 53. 53. This one. This one. 54, 54 talks about the Sabbath very briefly. But I'm of the mindset that, oh, well, Sabbath is Old Testament, and I'm a New Testament guy. That's, that's gone, right? Christ came, and that whole Old Testament went away. But I realized as I studied it, wait a minute, there is a Sabbath. Christ is our Sabbath. But I don't know how to rest in it. He is my rest, but I don't know how to do it. That's a verse in Hebrews. How, and, then, and then I think it's Paul says that labor to enter into, his, into our rest. How do you, what? What? So I start straining this thing apart and I discover some interesting things. Think, think, arcolated, isolated. 54, 54, verse, verse in 2 Chronicles 66, 20, 21. For you, for you. And those who escaped from the sword, he came to Babylon. Stop. This is the story of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And Nebuchadnezzar, a wild and evil king, rushes upon the Hebrews and destroys them and captures those who weren't killed. He takes them as prisoners. You get that? Carries them away to Babylon. Here then, now. And they were servants to him, his sons, until the rule of, rule of Persia. Of Persia. The whole other kingdom, fulfilled of the by the mouth of Jeremiah. So the reason it happened to fulfill the word, all the land had enjoyed, had enjoyed its Sabbath. Wait, 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 wait. You see, Israel or well, the, the Hebrews weren't celebrating; they weren't keeping the Sabbath in those days. They hadn't done it. Seventy years were years were complete. Seventy Sabbaths. Because of its desolate state, captured Sabbath until seventy years were complete. They were taken out of the land until the land completed something, rested. My point is, you are going to give the Sabbath whether you offer it or not. That's good. The Sabbath is going to leave you whether you give it or not. And I'm talking about stress will put you on your back until you repay your Sabbaths. Just an idea. You process it. I was on the verge of going into the hospital. I'm sure of that. Maybe a mental hospital. But I would have been there because I had abandoned the Sabbath rest. You get that? And I was doing it for all the right reasons. All the right reasons. I was serving the Lord, man. I was serving God. I was serving the church. I was serving my brothers and sisters. Spilling myself out. I was serving my wife. I was serving my kids. But I had forgotten the Sabbath. God says, keep my Sabbath. Now, I'm a tax guy, and it's March. You know how busy I was. I am not kidding. It's March. And I say, all right, I'm asking God, what do I do about this terrible dream? This is not for me. And his only answer is keep my Sabbath. So I 
started that Saturday. I picked a Saturday because I work on Sundays. And I thought, I am going to sit on the couch coming this Saturday and from now on. That was when I decided. I said, Lord, I'm going to try this. I had piles of work. And I'm the only guy to do it. You get that? I'm the, I'm the guy who licks the stamps, carries the garbage, who does the taxes, who interviews the client, who works with the IRS, who fixes the computer. That is me. Is anybody related yes. to what I am talking about? And here I am, watching Pokemon on a Saturday, Saturday morning. I'm having to sit on this or I would throttle somebody. I am just stressed out. I don't get Pokemon anyway. What is that? Really? What is that? Tell me. Right? Does anyone want me Pokemon? What is that? I don't know. It's a cartoon. So I am just like, where is Bugs and the Roadrunner when I need him? What is this? And so, just, oh, it was awful. Was I resting? No. I was stressing out. I was angry. Freaking out because I work. It's got to work. It's got to get done. But I'm thinking how sometimes it takes more faith to do nothing than something. Sometimes taking the kingdom by violence is sitting on a couch in March. You fly how to apply this if it does to your life. But that's what I did. I exercised a violent faith on my hands watching this stupid cartoon. Now this week went to next. I will tell you I worked hard in between. Because now I'm thinking, holy mackerel. So I mean I worked come Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I mean I am pouring it on, right? But Saturday I'm sitting on my hands, and I'm eating cereal with my boys. And we're wrestling on the floor. And then Pokemon comes on. You know, it took me a few weeks to get into it. I'll get that. You know, after about a month, I'm like, I got my cereal bowl. I'm like, come on, boys, Pokemon's starting. Come on, hurry up. You know, you got to see what little Pikachu's going to do. And, you know, I'm, I'm getting in. I'm, I'm, I'm learning how to rest, right? I still don't get the, the cartoon idea, but... but I begin to relax. I had one day to just chill. And I didn't get all religious about it. Like, I love to chop wood. So, come Saturday, I'd go chop wood. I just wouldn't chop much wood. Right? Because it's not Saturday. So, Steve, I need you to and I go, oh, I'm living my Sabbath. <laughs> too good for a while. Too good for a while. But we worked it out. <laughs> Yeah, a little rough at first. As soon as she's like, well, then I'm not doing the clothes. I'm like, I don't care. Come on, baby girl, let's Sabbath together. And so we just started the Sabbath day. We sleep in late. What would you do on a Sabbath if you had it consistently? What would you do? Would you go to a movie? I did. Would you go to the lake and walk around? Would you maybe go on a motorcycle ride or a bicycle ride or walk along the river? You have rivers here? What's the rivers? I'm sorry. Example. We have rivers where the water's clear, which is really cool. Yeah. But yeah, you know, just walk around, just sleep, take a nap. When's the last time you took a nap? You know, take a nap. Airplane. Last night, see, on this trip, today's my Sabbath, right? So we got to kind of steal and wedge out and wedge it around. 
But we're not all religious about it. If I get a few hours of Sabbath, I take a Sabbath. And I did. I saw the hotel. I seen the hotel room this morning. Kit Kat wrappers everywhere. <laughs> I am kidding. I'm kidding. I went home last night. We're like, wait, are you hungry? She goes, no, not really. You know, want some chocolate? She's like, yeah. So we stop at a little, this little gas station somewhere. I mean, we got lost on the way home. I don't know where we were. Yeah. Where is Stockton anyway? <laughs> <laughs> so we end up in this little place and we bought all this. I go, Donna buys bugles. Don't, she's not in here, so I can tell you. You know what bugles are? Yeah. They're not even a food, are they? They're packing material, right? Yeah. So she buys One of those, so we had our set. We went home, we went home. We stopped, we watched, we watched TV until we realized there's nothing on, so we turned it off and shattered. We played on our little games, we had little games on our thing. We get all done and go to sleep. We wake up in the morning. This morning, I, oh, I feel like I've been drugged. Sure, I coma, I coma, Because I don't normally eat like that except on Sabbath. So I wake up, like, wow. What was that? Don was like, Sugar. Here she's back, so I gotta clean up my story. <laughs> so I, I throw off the covers and I look, and I look, and there's like Kit Kat wrappers everywhere. Like, yeah! <laughs> party, party! <Yeah. laughs> so that was our Sabbath. But do you know what happened? You know what happened? We kept our Sabbath, and it snuck up on me a feeling. Yeah, I had a feeling. And I'm going to get a little past 12. Is that all right? Because i got to tell you guys about our experience. I think it's valuable. Um, so, so Donna is not in this place. I am. This shutdown thing. So she's praying for me and, and helping me and hoping with me that I come back, right? And so I, I, uh, I remember one day... She, um, she's, okay, I'll tell this story, this is funny. She's in the closet, she's getting ready for a trip, and she's bumping around in the closet looking for shoes. Now she's got the suitcase on the bed, you know, it's like 11 at night, it's, uh, she leaves at 5 in the morning, it's one of those scenarios, right? I'm in bed trying to get to sleep, now I'm going to drive her to the, the airport, but I'll come home and sleep a little more and do my day, so, so I'm trying to get some shut out I'm laying in the bed, and she's got, you know, clothes everywhere, suitcase beside me. She's in the closet. I can't see her. She's, I just hear the bumping around. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, you know, she really needs to get to sleep. She needs to get some sleep because this isn't good for her. She's got to go travel. She'll be gone for a week or whatever. She, she shouldn't start out tired. So I wonder what I should do. How do I... I wonder how I do this. Now, this is me after I've started my Sabbath back. But I'm still trying to figure out what a feeling is. Okay? So I'm processing, like, I wonder what I should do. Do I just sleep? Do I... Maybe I should talk to her about coming to bed. Maybe I should insist. Maybe it's the husband. Maybe I should, you know, defend my wife and... And, you know, where she's weak, I'll come in and be strong and insist that she come to bed. 
I think that's a good idea. I'm waiting all this processing, this processing, because I'm really slow and I'm deliberately trying to learn. It's like, okay, yeah, that's what I'm, I'm going to do. So I go from the bed, and my eyes are closed, and she's, she's in the closet, boom, boom, boom. I go, Donna, you should come to bed. It's late. I thought, that's pretty good. <laughs> she goes from the closet, she goes, I can't come to bed. I've got to find these shoes. I'm laying in bed and I'm thinking, oh, you can't find a pair of shoes in it. There's got to be 50 pairs of shoes in there. I'm just, I'm just grabbed you. This is me thinking. Obviously, she's in a, in a spot. She needs me to leave. So I'm gonna leave. So I said, stretch a little bit. All right. I go, Donna, come to bed. It's late. Authoritative, clear, directional, you know, concerns, motivated by love. Okay. All right, that was good. She says, I'm coming to bed. I've got to find these shoes. She's in there, I mean, there's clothes flying out of there. You know, it's, it's intensifying in the closet. There's just like little intensity radiating out of the floor. Shoes flying through the air. Cold hands bouncing off the wall. I'm in bed, and I'm thinking, yeah, that definitely hurt my twins. You know, I, you know my motive, yeah, my motive is right. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Oh, my gosh. That hurt my feelings. Where I'm at. She's just frustrated. And I and I think I think I deserve better than that. But I say it out loud. Yeah, and I say out loud, I deserve better than that. Guys, the bus, the bumping stops. space. And I don't do it. I'm telling you this stuff because you, I'm like, this is like 
you're David, and I'm Saul, and there's a Goliath. And you're a little boy run up, and you decide you're going to go with Goliath. Prosperous Saul, you're going to go figure out how to do, become prosperous Saul. And I'm saying, here's my armor. You get it? And it's got scrapes and dents, and this is what I wear. I'm telling you how I fit out for war. Because I've been there. And I've done it. But this may not fit you. So if it fits you, or figure out what will fit you, or how to fit it. So this story <coughs> concludes like this. Donna says, you do. And I am shocked. I do. I'm learning how to come back alive. Here's the story, the, the point. Toil. If you're afraid of the dream, it's because toil has lied and deceived you into being afraid of hoping. And if you find you can't even lift your arms to hope, Sabbath is the answer. I don't know how Sabbath looks in your life, but I'm telling you what, I live for my Sabbaths now. They, they energize my life. And sitting every Saturday, faithfully stewarding, guess what happens? God promoted me one day. I'm sitting there and he says, well, I need to say it this way. I think to myself, which I think was the Holy Spirit, I wonder if I can write a book. That was outlandish. You understand? That was an idea that was like, write a book. I can't even sign a birthday card right. <laughs> How am I going to write a book? And But this idea won't leave me because Sabbath energizes our lives. It starts the perpetual motion machine. And the thing was grinding away. It was grinding away and I started hoping. This is why Sheila comes back and says, yeah, I started a business. She came out of her cave and hope is grinding away. And she starts thinking, I have to do this. I don't know your name, but she shared. Janelle. Janelle, yeah, yeah. Jeanette, I'm going to put on the mantle of my father. That little perpetual motion machine makes us come out of our cave, makes us ferocious, scares the devil to death. Right? In this room with hope and a dream and the capacity to carry. I'm telling you, man, you want to light that fuse, you keep a Sabbath. Figure out how to do it. Don't make it all religious. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I keep them pretty, pretty strictly. But when I travel like this, I'm not all worried about it. I'll get it. I'll eat Kit Kats. It's all cool. I'll just, it's all good. Because we are engineered. Even, even God rested. Yeah. Unbelievable. And he established it. Now here's the thing. There are at least two, I've only found two, principles that, that I think live outside of all time. I don't know how to say it. They're like principles. They're the Levitical laws, is what I'm saying. They happened before Moses wrote anything, and happened after they, they survived the cross. Here's the cross of Christ, and they moved through it. They're just permanent. One of them is the Sabbath. I believe 
The Sabbath is established. God established it at the beginning. You're going to rest. I believe you're going to give the, tithe, the, the Sabbath whether you offer it or not. Does that make sense? I, I just believe that. I think the second one is the tithe. It survived the cross. The spirit of the tithe survived the cross. In other words, the cross didn't obliterate the Old Testament. You know what it did? It completed. The Old Testament is there to tutor us. It's there to show us things and teach us things. And now we look back and we realize that when the tithe was first established, do you realize that Abram, he wasn't even Abraham yet, Abram has, with 318 farmers, defeated five kings that stole Lot and a bunch of their women and children and possessions. Do you realize that? Five kings fight four kings, unrelated, and in battle, five kings defeated the four and takes all their stuff. Well, that was the economy back then. That's how it worked. So they take all their stuff and they're traveling home. And Abram hears about it and gets his, it says, 318 of his trained men. These are ranchers. They're probably trained on hoeing fields. I don't know what they were trained on, but they were tough. And they chase down and win the five kings. When they come back with all their possessions, they come to the king of Salem, Melchizedek, right? And it says that he, out of gratitude for having recovered his everything, his women, his children, his possessions, he gives a tenth. The spirit of the tithe, survived, I think, survived the cross. That doesn't go away. And I need to say this. The tithe is going to be given whether you offer it or not. Because Malachi 3.10 says that if you bring the whole tithe into my house, I will rebuke the devourer. Which implies that if you don't, the devourer will come. How much does the devourer want to take? Well, I think he's going to take whatever he can get. Sometimes more than ten. But my point is, the tithe and the Sabbath, I believe, live outside of time. I believe they were established. There may be more, but I haven't found them yet. They're, I believe they're principles. And as a prosperous soul, I want you guys to keep those. I want you to offer them. Because they're going to leave you whether you offer it or not. The Sabbath, man, I love it. Isn't it weird that we won't keep a rest command? Isn't that dumb? Donna, can you pass out the, the token? We're out of time, so what we're going to do is pass out the token. Where did the seeds end up? Okay. The gold, um, the um, glass bead. That's the Sabbath, the dream. Is that the one with the rubber bands in it? Okay. She's handing out these two little treasure boxes, how usually they work. Um, we'll circle them through. What, what's inside the box is a rubber band and a glass bead. The rubber band represents bound in spirit. The bound in spirit message last time I was here. So we're just making sure you got all the tokens. Does that make sense? Bound in spirit was a session that I talked about this purpose train, and it's based on 
Acts 20.22, where Paul says, is it Paul? Says, I, I, I go bound in spirit on my way to Jerusalem. Okay? Paul, right? Yeah. For some reason that's gotten tweaked out. But anyway, that's the rubber band token. It just goes in your bag, and it has to do with, I think, session five or something like that. But today's, today's token is around dreaming. It's around the dream. And so with this little glass bead, friends, kind of, kind of the, the little cloudy dream over your head when you start thinking, the possibilities. What's possible in your life? What's possible in your life? And if, and if, it's in, if, if you don't have the ability to think, Keep your Sabbath. Just start the Sabbath. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And that is a violent act in this day to keep up the Sabbath. So, take it in your hand. And in your hand. Like you stand your feet. You stand your feet. Oh, do we have all the tokens out? They're still coming. Okay, let's just take a moment. Here's a question. Let's do that. Yeah, it's a secret, and if I tell you, I have to put it. <laughs> 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 I've got to tell you, you can do that because, you know, I'm going to tell you the secret. No, raise your back. No, question, question. Let's hand it out, foil. This is the symbol for mammon. And if you go through the mammon session, uh, the reason this is the token is because it's shiny, and mammon is shiny and attractive. Also, it shapes around anything. If you know, if you've taken a coin and you put oil over the nickel or the quarter and you rub it and how it emerges through it. So, man can take any shape and it can mimic many, many things. The prophetic act is that during that prayer is I'd have you fold it really gently. Not punish it, but use it. Because Christ himself said, use unrighteous man. So we don't need to punish it. We don't need to destroy it. We need to understand that it's our slave. We use it. Because also, oil is very useful. Right? We use it for lots of things. Cooking and cool things like tokens. <laughs> so, so be the, that would be the prophetic ta-da at the end of the mammon session. But last time I was here in June, I merged the, the poverty and the mammon together. Okay? So that's why I needed to make sure you all had the foil. So it should be a little soft ball in your bag. So far you should have a rubber band, a half a paper clip, a little wad of foil, and a penny. Is that right? Beats, yeah, beats, yeah. yeah. And it might be kind of neat to take a yellow sticky and fold up a blank one and stick it in there. Maybe a yellow sticky. Remember we did the yellow stickies last night? The lies, yeah. But you get in there. Blank one in there. Oh, it says, how well have I taught my sons about rest? Oh, my word. Those guys rest. <laughs> i, I got to get them on the other part of the perseverance message, yeah. And rise up, oh man. Some of those. Like, what did he say the other day? He's in... Yeah. And the kid doesn't do anything. He's still trying to get his job. He's got one part to do anything all day long. All day long. He's 24. Come home. I'm like, now he's got he's doing great now. He's working, but it was so funny. We came home and I told him, I need you to keep that bedroom clean. Now see my son has moved out 
And now he moved back, just spent a night or two in our, what is now our spare room, but it's now like our guest room. It was his bedroom. I come home, and it looks like a bomb has gone off in this room. I'm like, how could you be here one day and do that? That's like art, you know? And so I said, uh, man, I need you to just clean up that stuff. Just do that. You know, it's I love having you around. Just keep that one clean. It's okay, yeah, no problem. And, and he's one of those kids that do that. I just have to suggest that he'll take care of it. So I come home the next night, and it's still there. Donna, during the day, Donna had said, So, Corey, didn't Dad ask you to clean up the room? And he goes, Yeah, it's my salad. Dude, you're living a salad. What are you talking about? <laughs> Oh my word. <laughs> Stories. It's just gold. Have your gold glass bead. You got a question? Please. Ask it back. Yeah, back to the, that's a, that's a great point. Um, what I'm concerned about, let me just look at my, my plan for this afternoon. There's no, is there, time, is there? It's just time is always slipping by. So this, bit, what, what do, do, I can point you to the podcast from the June meeting where I covered it thoroughly for about two hours. I will also briefly at the beginning at the beginning of the next session. Okay, I'll just I'll just hit a couple of points. It may not make connect connect all the dots for you, but you still have the podcast to go back to. If that still doesn't work, you can uh, risk an email to me, which is kind of a nice gesture, but you know it's not going to happen. Yeah, I will eventually get to it. It might be 2015, but I will eventually get there. Uh, the other thing, a thorough piece on a thorough piece on it written around when I, my business book comes out. I, I use that tool mostly in my business con, uh, coaching stuff, and so it's a bit of a wait, but there will be a pretty thorough mechanics piece in that. So I would, I, I, but I will hit the, the, what I think are the highlights when we get back in two. So, um, Dan, let's just stand. We're going to do a prayer. I want your glass, I want your, your hand, feet in your hand, just as a point of contact. And um, here's what I'm going to pray over you a prayer about, uh, about hope, about your ability, getting your ability to dream and hope. And so what I want you to walk away with process, a process like how I can build a Sabbath into my life. Okay, so that's what you guys can kind of, that's the takeaway. This is what, you know, how, how or if you would build a, a Sabbath into your life, but but what I'm going to do is I'm going to, pray, I'm going to pray, and I'd like you to repeat after me. And when we're all done, I'll close the meeting. And then we'll go eat.
Awesome. So, Father, I hand you my disappointments. My shame and my discouragement. My discouragement. I ask you to take it from me. And put in its place hope. Thank you, Papa. Change these, change these things in my life. I'm being angry at my angry at my dreams. For blames for pain. Blames for pain. Father God, you God. Bad teaching. If he quiet, would have been safe. I have a mindset and said that dreams are painful, that they're dangerous, and I realize now that my dreams are buoys. They can lift me. They can lift my hope. They can bring me to new places. To me, speak to me through my hope and my dreams. So I that and for that, Father God, as you Father God, curse attached to being called a dreamer. And I receive now the ability. To dream and hope and emerge from my cave and run with you, Jesus. Wow. Let's just stay here for a moment right here. Just well, make sure that your that your eyes are up. I mean your eyes are closed, but I want your chin up. You see, part of the Spirit brings us bowed down. And the, the heart is right, but that chin should be up. Make sure your chin is up. Eyes to heaven. Ask Papa right now, Papa, what would you, what have you built for me to experience? What have you, what lays out in front of me? what veins of gold lay in your inheritance from your family. The good stuff. Honesty, character, courage, determination, perseverance, confidence, velocity, Tenderness and gentleness. What what are the things in your family line? Empathy, wisdom, creativity. I just see it like a, a, a vein of gold in a in a mountain of black stone. And that gold is just there. It's just in you. 
And I see God's giving you a tool to pry that goal free. And the enemies work really hard in your lives just to keep you guys from seeing that. He's turned you around, you're back to it. He's spun you around and made you dizzy with, with work and confusion and probably probably offenses and discouragement maybe. Confusion and maybe just busyness. Man, just busy. But I just see Jesus put his hands on your shoulders and turn you gently to face that vein of good that God has placed in you and your mother and father and their mothers and fathers. And this is a generational vein that you are seeing. I think God has given you a tool and you're not very skilled at it but you realize you can pick out the gold in that rock. You can just pick it out. It's soft. And this tool just penetrates and it picks it out. And I call it forth. I call it forth. I call it forth in Jesus' name. Ho! In Jesus' name. I call forth the gold in your lives. The destiny that he has. This thing, this thing runs past your lifetime. You realize that? It runs past you into those that you influence, your natural children, your spiritual children. It runs into their future. Thank you, King. Thank you, King. Just a little bit longer. Lord, I, I see you've got all these little crumbles of gold around your feet and in your hand. And they're all jagged and misshapen. They're little cubes. They're crystalline gold. They're not fashioned or formed into anything specific that you can recognize. So God, I ask for the grace on each one of us to fashion these, these riches, what you would call true riches, into the vehicles and assignments, the purposes and the visions, the strategies and the tactics of our days, the rest of today and tomorrow. And then on Monday and all that week, and I pray that you would, you guys are craftsmen. I just release over you a word, Bezalel. Bezalel was the first example in Scripture of a man filled with the spirit of wisdom. And he was called by Moses to fashion the gold and the silver and for the temple. And it was magnificent. And Bezalel was called spiritually wise. And I, and I release that on you. Spiritually wise. To know how to take chunks and crumbles of gold and fashion it right fashion it rightly. You may not even know what this looks like, but I'm telling you, God is working in this room. He is teaching your spirit. Your spirit knows stuff. Your spirit knows stuff. And your soul is learning how to follow. Is it possible your spirit is so wise in God 
because of God that it knows how to tutor your soul. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. And that's oh. what's going to happen. It's going to happen. Yes. You're going to wake up knowing stuff. Oh. You're going to wake up knowing things. Your spirit leading, your soul in agreement, and your body behaving and executing the things of the spirit. A prosperous soul. Body, soul, and spirit. Lord, I ask you, bless these men and women right here. Bless these men and women, God. Teach us how to walk according to your excellent wisdom. How to engineer our lives to please you in all respects. That our lives would rise like the smoking incense and you would inhale our lives and be pleased, God. I ask that in Jesus' name. That the Father in heaven would be so pleased. That's possible, you know. That's going to happen. And Lord, I pray a year from now, there are every one of us in a different, better place. In a place of promotion, in a place of glory to glory. Living in a kingdom that knows no end. No decrease. That's where you go. You go up. And so I look forward in a year to hear testimonies about where God has brought you, just like she would do. Just how things were promoted. Thank you, Jesus. I pray this and dedicate the day in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, actually, you can just sit down. I promise 60 seconds. Uh, it's all, all in time. Uh,